hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. We're back in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to do verses 43 through 48 and the Beatitudes. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. And Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, you love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good, you get in the light so I can see, there we go. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do that? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. We thank you for those that have come to faith and followed in water baptism. What a glorious day. As, as we get into your word, words that you spoke in the first century, I ask you through the Holy Spirit to speak through me and give me the words to say that, that in this century, in this time period. So we commit this service into your hands. Holy Spirit, minister to the people as only you can do for them what I cannot do. And we commit this service into your hands. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Verse 43, we're going to break them down. It says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Well, that's, those sayings was going around. But that's not what the Bible taught. The Bible taught love your neighbor. But the Mosaic law commanded you to love your neighbor. And even though, you know, it's amazing what, what people do to how we work our thoughts around the word of God. And I find it amazing. God spoke it very plainly and clear, and yet they still messed it up. Okay. Leviticus 19.18 says this, You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people. <coughs> but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Excuse me. The Lord's speaking, and he's making very clearly what he's saying. And they worked it around. What they did is they took that very quote, and they turned it around and said, well, it says not to have any grudge against the children of your people. So we're supposed to just love each other, love the Jews, and hate everybody else. That's what they did. And so, uh, yes, some of the teachers in Jesus' day, they, added, they were still adding to this. 
And I find it amazing as we're, as we're reading this how Jesus spoke and the things that he did and how he did them. I mean, he wasn't shaking his finger at them and telling them all the stuff they're doing wrong. He wasn't doing any of that. But he was getting the point across. And some of the teachers in Jesus' day, they also added the opposite. An evil misapplication, an equal obligation to hate your enemy. And so in doing that, and by, in doing that whole thing, they, they take the word of God and they were twisting it. And so, as, as we, they generally looked upon all the uncircumcised, the Gentiles, and as their neighbors, as not their neighbors, but their enemies, and whom the precepts did not oblige them to love. So they thought they had a way around of loving those people. But don't we do the same thing today? Maybe not in that, just that way, but we do the same thing. And so, as Jesus is teaching them these things, this is going to get harder and harder. Verse 44 says, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Now, when he's talking about love your enemies, this is just like some people that you just don't quite get along with. Remember, they were under Roman rule. The Roman Empire had total control of their lives. And if they didn't do what they should do, many of them ended up in prison and many of them ended up dead. And this rabbi is standing here telling us to love them? That would be hard, wouldn't it? These are not easy scriptures. And they're not easy for us. And, you know, we today kind of work around them and say, well, that was Old Testament. Huh? That was very much to today. And so, and we can see how, as this played out, as he's what he told them to do, a Saturday night service, we had somebody, Pastor Greg at the end of the service had asked some questions, does anybody have any questions? And there was a few. And one of the gentlemen spoke up and said, yeah, these scriptures work. Because <laughs> he was in a situation where he had to do, do this, and he, he used it, and it worked. So, he says, pray for those who spitefully use you, persecute you, bless those who curse you. But I do admit, it is not easy. Jesus reminds us that God means it. All people are our neighbors, even our enemies. Because this great question was, who's my neighbor? That's how you work around it that way. Who is my neighbor? And Jesus made it very clear, not only you love everybody, you love those that want to destroy you and kill you. That makes it different, doesn't it? That even makes it harder. To truly fulfill this law, we must love, bless, do good, pray for our enemies, not only our friends. So, Jesus understood we will have enemies. Well, he, he even told us. Uh, he says, they hated me, they're going to hate you. We will have enemies. Yet we respond to them in love. 
trusting that God will protect our cause and destroy our enemies, and in the best way possible by transforming them into friends. You say, okay, Pastor Ron, you went off the deep end now. I didn't say I want to be friends with them. Uh, but that's what they did in the first century church. I mean, they were tortured, fed the lions. Nero took posts and put Christians on there and dipped them in oil and set them on fire to light his dinner parties. And this rabbi wants me to love them. But the church did. And from the first century, by the third century, or in 300-year time period, Rome fell, and the church of Jesus Christ is still going strong. Right. Hallelujah. So, the best thing we can do. The disciples' attitude to religion, to religious persecution, must go beyond just non-retaliation. In other words, I'm not going to do anything back. I'm going to be passive. I'm going to be... Just accept it, but I sure don't like them. I hate them. No. We must go to a positive love. Easy words to say. But that's what Jesus expects from us. If we, the church, ever want to be influential in the culture around us, we have to have that kind of love for those that not only want to destroy us, the things that we're facing today and in this culture, God did not put us here by accident. God did not put us here uh, just to wring our hands and say, look how bad things are. God says to get up and be about my business. Verse 45 says that you may be sons and daughters of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. I want you to notice how Jesus, what Jesus is saying here. We wouldn't pick this up today, but they sure did in the first century. Because, see, in the Roman Empire, they had many gods. The sun being one of them. And there's a lot of those things that still affect, affect us to this very day. <clears throat> the first day of the week is from the Roman rule. And the reason why we use the term, the term Sunday, it goes back to the worship of the sun. But notice what Jesus, how he says the words to those that are listening. They understood in that time period in culture what was happening, what was going on. And he says this, the Father in heaven, for he makes his son rise. He's poking at the idea of the son being a god. No, that God makes the son, his son, rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. And in that doing so, that your father it, it's your father, that you may be the sons of your father in heaven, and in doing this, we are imitating God. And we're supposed to. Who shows love to his enemies? By sending rain on the just and the unjust, God. We need to love that same way. Lord, help me love like that. You say, well, I can't do that. You, if you're a believer, you can. You've got the Holy Spirit. You've got God, the Holy Spirit, sealed within you. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Amen. And he's not coming out. Amen. 
and Jesus had that, did that reason, and he went away, and Pentecost happened, that what, what was the whole point? Because he wanted to expand his work. He wanted all the little Jesuses everywhere to become doing the same work that he did. That's the whole point. That's what he wants from you, to be like him. And you have the Holy Spirit in you. If you just let him work through you. And in doing this, we're imitating God, who shows love to his enemies by sending rain on the just and on the unjust. Got a quote from Spurgeon that I'm going to read next. What does God say to us when he acts thus? I believe that he says this. This is the day of free grace. This is the time of mercy. The hour for judgment is not yet. When he will separate between the good and the bad, when he will mount the judgment seat and award different portions to the righteous and to the wicked. Charles Spurgeon. Now, if he wrote that in his day, can you imagine what he would write in our day? Huh? Oh, my. But you know what? It is still a time of free grace. And it is still a time of mercy. And we need to give that grace to those around us. See, we, we expect too much of the ungodly. Oh, you don't know those people. You don't know what they do. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter what they do. They're not Christians. But I, what, what does God expect from you all? To love them right where they are. Do you remember this old hymn? Some of the old timers running. Remember the old hymn, Just As I Am? Huh? He didn't say, clean yourself up, then come to him. He says, come just how you are. Broken with all your sins. All your brokenness. Come to me. And I'll make the change. Amen. And we need to have that same grace for our neighbors. They're broken. But we need to begin to say, Lord Jesus, how can I share you with them? You work through me that they'll see you in me. And you will change their lives. Right. Just where they are. I believe, that, I believe he'll do that. Amen. If we'll be that vessel for that. Verse 46 says, for if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Why would Jesus pick on the tax collectors? He does. Presenting a point home. He knew everybody hated the tax collectors. I hope there's no IRS agents working <laughs> for the IRS here in the church. Huh? <laughs> yeah, the, but Jesus is making a point. He's pointing to them because they, they, everybody hated the tax collectors. And he's saying, you got to show the love to the tax collectors. Huh? That's what he's saying. you got to show the love to the tax collectors. And if you just hang around with your own folks and hang around with those that love you back, you're just no better than a tax collector. Oh, my. <laughs> so this is an example that we also are to love our enemies and bless them. In doing so, we show ourselves to be the sons of our Father in heaven. And we can only do this by showing in word and deed that this divine life and principles animate us. See, we can say the words, but do we have the actions? Huh? Come on now. We've got to do both. We can say the words and then let the ungodly see our actions to say there's something different about those people. And that the divine life and principles of the word of God animate us. In other words, they're working in and through us. He wants us to be the little Jesuses that he raised us up to be. So, 
Next slide, please. Verse 47. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Here he goes again, huh? Don't, do not even the tax collectors do so? See, Jesus taught here that the character of the citizens of his kingdom, hmm? and he is the king, and we're in his kingdom. Some people don't really realize, you know, he rules and reigns today. He sits at the right hand of God the Father, and he's ruling and reigning. And he's going to come back one day and bring judgment to this whole thing. But for right now, he's ruling and reigning. It's a time of grace, and it's a time of mercy. But we should expect that the character of Jesus Christ makes us different from the character that's seen in this world. There is a difference. Next slide, please. There are many good reasons why more should be expected from Christians than others. And we're going to go over that in a minute. So the, the whole list of what's going on between Christians and others. They claim there's many good reasons why more should be expected from Christians than others. They claim, keep, keep going, I'm going to start rolling them. They claim to have something that others do not have. They claim to be renewed, repentant, and redeemed by Jesus Christ. That's what we claim, right? And that's true. They do, in fact, have something that others do not have. They are, in fact, renewed, repentant, and redeemed by Jesus Christ. And that's the difference and the change. And that should be reflected. I think too often that the values of the world have been rubbing off on the church far more than the values of the church rubbing off on the world. They have a power that others do not have. They can do all things through Christ that strengthens them. The old preacher, I've used this before and I'll use it again. Rod spoke about it a couple weeks ago. That was the last time he spoke. The old preacher at a church that I went to in Southern California there was a lot of uh, people from Oklahoma and Arkansas and all that area that fled the Great Depression and went to California. So some people say, yeah, well, I was raised in a southern church. I said, so was I. It just happened to be in Southern California. <laughs> yeah. And the old preacher said this, all means all, and that's all, all means. Huh? So if you don't get nothing else out of this, they maybe remember that. And they also have the Spirit of God dwelling within them. We do. We've been filled with the Holy Spirit. It is sealed within us. And aren't you glad? Huh? That's why he says, he, why? He's the Holy, he's, he's sealed within you as believers. And he is the author and he is the finisher of your faith. You think you're doing this. Huh? Not happening at all. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. They have the spirit of God dwelling within him and they have a better future than others do. Huh? We know we have a better future, but it, we're not supposed to be sitting down here wringing our hands and all the badness happened, say, oh, Lord, just rapture us out of here. No, he wants us to be up and about the business. He wants us to be transforming to the culture around us, to be able to share his love, share his grace, and watch what he'll do in and through us if we'll just be the vessels he wants us to be. 
And he says they have a better future than others do. But the conclusion of the interpretation of what Jesus is talking about this on the law, this is the hardest part of it all. Be perfect. That's what he was telling them. Be perfect. Oh, I bet you they were wiggling in their seats sitting there, huh? Got awful quiet in here. Verse 48. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, Jesus knew they couldn't do it. And he knew why he came. And he knew they believed they could do it. And he's not shaking his finger out. He's teaching them the error of their ways without pointing the finger at them. But they're getting the message. Be perfect. And if we could have done all the things that Jesus said, if a man could live the way that Jesus has told us to do, we would be perfect. But we can't do it. None of us can do it. Jesus is the only one that ever did it. And that's why he came to redeem you and I. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? So, he would never hate, slander, speak evil of another person. Keep it going. He would never lust in the heart of his heart or mind. Well, now they're really wiggling on this one. What are you saying, Rabbi? See, they understood the law, said you, thou shalt not commit adultery. So as long as they didn't do the act, they're okay. Jesus is making this even tougher. He said, no, 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 that's not, not just doing the act. If you even think about doing such a thing, then there is sin in your heart. Whoa. Well, that excludes everybody, doesn't it? Come on now. Next slide. He would never make a false oath, oath or always be completely truthful. Well, I think that does us in right there. I think everybody in here has told a lie in your life, and if you say you haven't, that's a lie probably, isn't it? I remember, when to talk about this, I remember my, when my children were little. My children are grown. We're not old grandparents now. We're great-grandparents. We've got seven great-grandbabies. Yeah. So, but Renee was just a little thing. She's about three years old when her brother came along. And I can't even remember what she did. And we confronted Renee. Why'd you do that? I didn't do that, Dad. Her cute little innocent face. I did not do that. She said, I said, well, who did? He did. A little newborn laying there, and she's blaming it on him. Huh? Uh, don't take us long to start being like that, does it? That goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, doesn't it? That, that same idea. Huh? It does the sin. And Jesus wanted it to get to us like that, because that's the whole point. We need a Savior. We can't do this on our own. So,
he would let God defend uh, his personal rights. You know, that's really a big thing today, isn't it? These young people, well, you know, I have my rights. Huh? They, we, they hear that stuff a lot. But God doesn't give us the right to use whatever rights we think we have to be able to confront those rights. God's word says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. He will take care of those things. And not to take it upon ourselves to defend those rights. Next slide, please. He would always love his neighbor and even his enemies. Whoa. Well, we've all messed that one up, haven't we? There's even some family members we can have a hard time getting along with, huh? Yeah. You hear in family, sometimes they haven't talked to each other in years. That's not how he wants us to be. How does he want us to be? Just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Wow. He leaves no room that we can fix this on our own. James 2.10. No, thank you. No, no, let's go back. Let's go back. I was getting ready to skip one. Jesus is saying that the true direction in which this law has always pointed is not towards mere judicial restraint or concessions rising out of the hardness of men's heart nor even in the law of love. And that's why I titled this the law of love, but he's even pushing that aside, in the law of love. The whole point that Jesus is making, it points to the perfection of God. God's perfect. Maybe think of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, when Isaiah, um, the king had died, over Israel, God was raising up Isaiah to be a prophet. He was just a young man, most likely a teenager. And God gave him a vision of him sitting on the throne. And Isaiah had that vision. And what came out of Isaiah, he dropped his head and said, Oh, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. You see, when we're confronted with perfection, we have nothing but to drop our head and fall on our knees because we are not there. Jesus' primary intent was to say, if you want to be righteous by the law, you must keep the whole law, internal and external. That is, you must be perfect. And all those that were hearing that thought that they could do that by the law. Here's the rabbi saying, you cannot do that by the law. Now, James 2.10. This is the half-brother of Jesus. And he said, For whoever should keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. Whoa. That does us all in, doesn't it? Come on. And we think we're so good. Oh, I don't do that sin. I don't do this sin. I don't do that. Yeah, we got a few things that we... James says this, if we don't keep that whole law and we stumble in one point, we're guilty of the whole thing, even all the things we don't even do, we're guilty. He leaves no room, no room at all 
Wow. So what is our current relation to the law as Jesus interpreted it? We're exposed as guilty sinners who can never make ourselves righteous. There is none righteous. No, not one. None of us have any righteousness. The Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. That's the best of the best of us. And that's all that we can offer is filthy rags. Paul writes about this in Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 25. And we're going to go through those real quick. But he says, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law. That should be a hallelujah moment, huh? That's what Jesus came to do. That's what Calvary was all about. You see, through all of this, what this teaching and all that we're doing through the Beatitudes, it never talks about the cross on any of it. But the message of the cross is there. That's what Jesus came to do. They just hadn't done it yet. And because that Jesus was going to pay the sin debt in full, what he did, they beat him. In inches of his life, and he, what's he tell the Father? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He knelt him to a cross. He pays our sin debt, for without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. That's what the word says. And the perfect man became the sin debt for the imperfect. And he paid that. And when he paid it in full, he said, It is finished. And you can also translate that paid in full. And that's a hallelujah moment. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Well, he's talking about the, whole, the Old Testament, the law and the prophets. The whole book from Genesis to Revelation is written about Jesus. The whole book's about him. It's about Jesus. Verse 22. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and to on all, there's your all again, who believe. For there is no difference. The next verse is very familiar to us all. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's where we all are. Without Jesus, that's where we all are. But he paid our sin debt in full. If it's paid in full, what do you owe? Nothing. Oh, let that sink in. We owe nothing. But we give our lives to him. Because he died for us. Now he lives in and through us. He wants those little Jesuses to come alive. Verse 24, being justified. I used to use this in church when the... Churches I pastored was small, and we never had, had a, a church. We had Sunday school, and then we'd all come together for worship, including the kids. So I'd always try to do a little something. I never dumbed down my messages. I know I'm just preaching the word, and then we're going to take it from there. But I always wanted to put, leave a little tidbit for the, one of the kids. And I remember I ran across one of the young men <clears throat> that was in my church years later as an adult. And he said, Pastor Ron. He said, you know what I remember you teaching me? I said, what's that? Justified. I said, what? Well, justified? Yes. Justified, never sinned. Hmm? 
That's what he taught. Being, that's what Jesus did for us. Being justified. That's what it means. Just if I never sinned. Freely by his grace. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God set forth as a propitiation. These words are getting bigger. By his blood through faith. Propitiation means the appeasement of divine wrath by a sacrificial offering. That's what Jesus Christ did on the cross. That sacrificial offering, he paid the sin debt and he paid it for that the wrath of God would not be upon us and by he paid that sin debt so we could know the love of God. That's what Jesus did for us. That's what it's all about. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, for he, made, for he, God, made him, Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's what Jesus did. The old preacher, this was, this was the message that was preached when I was 17 years old. And he preached those, those, those messages, that, that verse, and said, he, Jesus paid for your sins. All the wickedness, all the bad things you've done, all the evilness that you have done, he has paid for them all. And he's willing to make an exchange your sins for his righteousness. It changed my life. I was on a back pew holding on Linda's hand more than listening to what was going on most of the time. But on that Sunday, God wanted me to understand. And all I remember is I used to, I was back there. Next thing I know was down here on my knees. Changed my life. Still have a hard time talking about it. It moves me. Changed me. Changed my direction. Changed my family. So much change. He be, made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You, see, that's the only righteousness we have. We don't have any of our own. Ours is as filthy rags. We have no righteousness. But in that exchange, our sins for his righteousness. The question is, have you made the exchange this morning? If you have it, he'll do for you. What he did for me. He'll change your life just like he changed mine. I'm going to close. That's what Jesus did for us. That's what he's teaching here. These scriptures are hard. But what he's teaching us is he's our savior. He's the one that made the difference. Made me think of this little chorus. I always think of all these old songs. I know a lot of songs that none of you ever heard of. But I'm going to close with this course, and I'll turn it over to Pastor Greg. And it says this. I'm redeemed by love divine. Glory, glory, Christ is mine. All to him I now resign. I have been redeemed. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. 
You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.